Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Sex with Emily. Today's guest is my new friend and colleague, Dr. Chris Donahue. He's a sex and relationship therapist, author, television personality. Oh, he does so much. It's going to be a great show. We're talking about his work in non-traditional sexuality, sexual deprogramming. I know a lot of people need some of that. Plus, we'll be answering some of your emails. So thanks everyone for listening to the show. It's going to be a great one. You know I'm all about the latest and greatest in sex toys, right? Well, the same company that bought you the Crave Vesper necklace has been in the factory whipping up a brand new high-quality sex toy that will blow your mind. But first, they need your feedback to make this revolutionary toy the best it can be. We all know the most appealing characteristic we look for in a vibrator is how it vibrates. This is why the minds at Crave decided to put the vibrating power in your hands, literally. Introducing the Flex Series, a new generation of vibrator that will incorporate your personal vibrating preferences into its state-of-the-art design. They created a tilt crowdsourcing campaign that will involve you, the consumers, in the development of this toy. From Tuesday, April 21st to May 19th, those who participate will have the opportunity to receive the Flex before its launch for an exclusive low price and actually pick their favorite vibrating patterns. Those top picks will be incorporated into the official Flex vibrator that will then be distributed everywhere. So, how do you get involved in this four-week campaign? Go to crave.tilt.com. Choose between the limited edition programmable Flex, which lets you customize your own vibration patterns and submit feedback that will influence the widely distributed Flex product. Or you can go to the greatest hits Flex, which is programmed with the most popular vibrating patterns as chosen by fellow Flex users. The earlier you pre-order your exclusive Flex Series Vibrator, the better deal you'll get. So go to crave.tilt.com and get involved in the Crave movement now. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by sex. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Hey, Emily. You got a boyfriend? Because uh, my man E here, he just got his heart broken. He thinks you're kind of cute. A girl's got to have her standards. Oh, my. Do women know about shrinkage? Isn't it common knowledge? What do you mean, like laundry? It shrinks? Can we not talk about sex so much? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. I feel so good. Being bad feels pretty good. Well, you know, Emily's not the kind of girl you just play with. with Emily. We're talking about sex relationships and everything in between. For more information, go to sexwithemily.com where you can check out all of our podcasts, sign up for the mailing list. You know, I talk about my mailing list a lot just because you all tell me you like my emails. So do that. And you can also, you know, we do two shows a week, really easy. You can subscribe on the website, go through iTunes and you can, um, get the shows you'll never miss them again and also I just want to mention because okay so I just came back from the podcast awards which was very exciting in Las Vegas I'll get to that in a second but what I realized is that podcasting has grown so much and it's it's like I so there was the 10th annual podcast awards and I was there 10 years ago which is pretty crazy the first one I started podcasting and now 10 years later, it's like, you know, there's 250,000 podcasts on iTunes, and it was exciting. I hosted the awards. I have to thank Podcast One, where we are recording right now. They sponsored it. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of, like, the Webby Awards. When I was in San Francisco years ago, my friends started when the, when the internet was just starting. And we were like, Webbies, what, what? And now it's, like, a huge thing. And I think the podcasting awards, since everyone's got a podcast and everyone's listening to podcasts, it's going to 
be a whole new thing. So I hope we're part of it every year. But the interesting thing about podcasting is I still find that people just are like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. What, how do you listen? I know you're all listening, so you get it. But another easy way, if you don't know, there is a Podcast One app that you can download for your smartphone, um, any phone, and you can listen to any podcast you want. And it's really easy that way. So you don't like you have to be on your iTunes and download it. You can just stream it anytime. So that's a really easy way to do it. So check it out that way. And so Vegas was a blast hosting the awards again. Chris Jericho, he's hilarious. He's a wrestler, singer. And we got up there and it was a little crazy last minute. We didn't have a script, but I think we pulled it off. And it was lots of fun seeing all the podcasters who from around the world, really, who were there. And also another one of the highlights for me was running into Run DMC. That was really fun. We went to a late night club and he was rapping. Like he was doing his whole thing. Like when was the last time you saw Run DMC? Yeah. Madison's here. My sister. Do you even know? You know Run DMC. I know who Run DMC is. And not only that, he was like, I think he hit like the reality TV show circuit on like VH1 Oh, he probably and did. Too. And Chris speaking. Chris is here too. Oh, yeah. Well, the minute you said oh, Run DMC, it brings me back. Right? Because that was MTV in its beginning originally. Exactly. The founders and of it, MTV. Right. Exactly. Like Run DMC, like, trick it, And he was like singing. And it was like, he was really cool. We were like in his VIP section at like one oak, whatever, in Las Vegas, the nightclub. So it was, it was a great time. And I just got back. So, um, Late last night, and here I am with well, you. you. I'm excited. Awake. You look awake. I do. I I faked it. I tried. I know like some makeup things and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was exciting. And um, so yeah, again, thank you to Podcast One and everyone who voted. We got people to vote. You know, I, yeah. I have to say I didn't win, but I think it was rigged. But I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> I'm totally cool with that because I just love anyone who's doing podcasting and doing their own thing because we get to talk to everyone in the world. And there's like no, you know, no one's regulating us. We can swear if we choose and talk about what we want. Okay, Chris. Dr. Hey. Chris, hey, I'm so you? glad you're here because we met briefly. We, we did, did a, a seminar together, we did. right? That was a good time. Yes. Yeah, that was sex, fun. What was it talk. about again? Sex talk. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about that when you came in. I can't remember. <laughs> Me neither. I know that we were great on the panel. You I know that trying, I loved you. Though. You were like, we did something together, right? I recognize the face. I know the name. No, I totally do? know you, but I'm like, what, what was the topic? About? It was uh, at the clinic. Body wellness. You guys oh, did the it was, body wellness. It was body wellness night that I promoted it. So she I did promote it. Body wellness. It went really well. I mean, and now you're on show Sex Box. So people have seen that, which is exciting. But you're doing so many things. And the reason why I love you're here. I mean, you're you're a therapist. You see. You see patients, clients, you run groups. You do a lot of interesting things that we're going to get into. Yeah, I'm out there trying to, as we used in the intro, deprogram. Well, that's okay. So that's your new book coming out. Yes. Okay, so the title of the book is... Sex Outside the Lines. Sex Outside the Lines. So I just love that deprogramming because I think so many of the issues that people have with their sex life, sexuality, is it that we have so much messaging. Yes. And, and the number one question life. I get asked, people always say, you know, you work as a sex therapist, so you must be working hard at fixing people's sexuality. And I say, no, it's actually the opposite. I'm always telling people that they're ho- okay and they're healthy. Right. They just want to know if they're normal. Totally. Number right. one question, am I okay? Am I normal? Right, exactly. And you have them realize that, that, that it's okay because so many people have a lot of shaming Absolutely. around their sex life. So we'll get into that and all of the great work that you're doing. But first, I just thought we'd start with a little bit of sex in the news. Tell me what you think about this. Surprise. Studies show public display of affection are good for relationships. Little PDA. If you've ever been to Paris, you've probably noticed something that we rarely do in the United States. Excessive PDA. For reasons... 
As Americans will never truly understand, the French can't go anywhere without being all up, all over each other. All you have to do is go for a walk through uh, Parc de Boutes Chaumont. Thank God I took French. <laughs> and a night day, uh, was that right? Parc, Parc de Boutes. Sounds good French? to me. No, because I took French, okay? On a nice day, and you'll see French people in love practically fornicating right then and there without a care in the world as to who might be watching. They don't care. But this is the type of thing that might make some of us cringe. Studies have found that all this PDA is actually good for your relationship. And surprisingly, these studies were not conducted in France. So there was one study, Ohio State University, found that couples who are intimate both behind closed doors and out in the open tend to be more satisfied in their relationships than those who don't participate in all that lovey-dovey action. And they say even just engaging in a few kisses here and there in front of prying eyes of passing strangers is great for mental health and contribute to the overall happiness of the couples. And the study goes on. It says that, you know, Americans may never get to the point where, I don't know, are we not that comfortable with PDA? No, I am. You I, might, not, <laughs> yes, I don't yes, stand for are. all Americans, yes, neither are. do you. But do we really not? I mean, I guess we're not. It's sort of a thing if you see people like making out, you're like, get a room, you know? Yes, I think we all do the double take. I think you take snapshots and posts on your Facebook saying, look at what I'm seeing. But exactly. It makes sense. The more you're touching and connecting, the better you're going to feel. Exactly. Right? No matter no matter where you're at. So it says that um, what the final part is that they found that couples who actively display their affection no matter where they are have more sex. Because if you're doing it on a park bench, then you're having lots of sex at home. Passionate, mind-blowing sex. God, we're so uptight about sex in America, oh. which is why you probably are your your business is oh. like how many clients do like every day are you getting new clients? Well, and, that, and that's patients. what it is, and that's why I think the podcast is great. No censorship, right? None. But say whatever the hell you want. Exactly. And my show, Sex Box. Um, one of the first things that happened when they announced the show before it was even seen was the Family Television Council came out saying we want this band and started a huge, huge, huge uh, promotional you know ban the show. Right, of course. So. <clears throat> Yeah, no one can handle hearing that word. No, it's true. Right. Again, same with my show. People were like, oh, I love the name. When I was starting out, they're like, I love the name of your show, but how are we going to get people to like advertise or listen? You know, it's sex. It's oh, a- and I just read in the news that there is a uh, psychotherapy practice that wanted to set themselves up and their sign was going to say something about like sexual health or sexual wellness and the building owner would not let them use the word sex in their sign. Exactly. Yeah, we have those issues. What the hell is the problem? Where we're trying to demystify this to everyone because everyone is either having sex, not enough sex, and if they are having sex, or they might have some issues with it, or sure. they want more, they want less, and it's in everyone's mind all the time. Oh, how about time. this? Every song, what's it about? Sex and sex. love. What's every movie about? Sex and love. Exactly. What's every book? Sex and love. Right. It's everything we talk about? Sex and love. Exactly. No matter what, when you're with your friends, and like, what, why you decide to wear that shirt today, or why you decide to buy a certain no, car. No, that's exactly what it is. I always say that everything you put on in the morning is your sexual expression, erotic capital. Like, right. I, I erotic try. capital. Yes, yes. I love it. It's Absolutely. true. So it's on all of our minds, but yet, you know, our our backwards society, you know, yeah. we should have moved to France and have a lot of PDA, but it is true. It's a problem. So I'm talking to Chris Donahue. Your website is Chris, C-H-R-I-S-D-O-N-A-G-H-U-E.com. This will all be on my website and your Twitter, Twitter handle is the same at Chris Donahue and Instagram and all that stuff. Dr. Donahue and Chris on Instagram. And um, so I've got some questions for you because you... You see patients. I do. And you run groups. I do. And you, you do all of it. And you have a book coming out, which we're going to get to. But what led you into the study of human sexual? Because I get asked it all the time, and I'm like, it's such a long-winded answer. You know, but sure. what, what about you? It's a good one. I was in New York City studying science. 
totally unrelated to relationships and got more curious about the human component of everything. So started doing psychology training and then noticed that sex was the one area that no one really talked about comfortably, no one really acknowledged. But my initial work was in the sex addiction world. Oh, okay. Which is phenomenal because it's a horrible area of the field. It's so shaming and pathologizing. I don't even subscribe to the sex addiction model or the concept. Um, and so from that, I started training in sex therapy, which really kind of... Um, Re, uh, re-brought me out into the health of sex. Okay. And that was when? That, that was, you're from New York? Or you... uh, yeah, I'm originally from New York and Philadelphia. I moved out here about nine years ago. So okay. I'd say about almost a decade ago, I started training in the human sexuality, sexology area. And it's changed my life because if you can normalize sex, you can kind of normalize anything. It's so true. And if you can increase your sexual self-esteem, that's just your total self-esteem. And did you, were you having like stuff on your own issues? Like, did it help you with your own sex life? Oh yeah, for sure. I think what it did was it gave me confidence in just allowing all of my sexual interests to be okay. Right. Which is what, like, yeah, people want to know. They want to know if they're okay. So I think it's also interesting. So you also run sex therapy groups. And I think group therapy, if people don't know, I mean, I can tell you that I've, I was in therapy for, you know, probably 15 years, maybe on and off. And I think it's a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did do group therapy for six years once. It was a commitment. It was like, what, what? People don't understand it, that they're like, why would I want group? I want one-on-one. But there's such an amazing dynamic that happens in the group therapy. I I was six years every Tuesday night for an hour and a half, and you have to go. And it was probably the most powerful therapy I ever did. I think it is. Can you talk a little bit about it as someone who leads uh, therapy groups? The group group experience, I think, is way more dynamic and powerful and transformative than individual because you're you're literally having to work on your intimacy issues, your communication in the moment, in real time, in front of these people. And talk about a really vulnerable... A defenseless dynamic where you're sitting with these people for six years you did it six years I, mean, I know really learning how to encounter another person at their deepest levels right, right? it's probably the deepest relationships you've had absolutely people, right right <clears throat> it's phenomenal and I think what's powerful is that because sex has so much shame in it um, I think what alleviates shame is being able to uh, present your sexuality publicly and socially, right? Because shame makes us want to hide. So if you can sit in a group among a bunch of other people and struggle with the confidence and vulnerability to talk about your sexuality, that's how you really increase your confidence. Right, right. So I think for sex, group therapy is phenomenal. And in the group I run, a lot of people come in and they've had their sexuality shamed by 12-step programs or sex addiction or psychologists, and they come in and I normalize. And I'm saying, you know, pornography is okay. It can be used in a healthy way. Let's talk about how to use pornography in a healthy way. It's okay that you don't want a monogamous relation. let's let relationship. Let's talk about other ways. Right. It's okay that you're questioning some things that you're interested in that other partners haven't been okay with. So I, I think it's um, a really safe space to explore God, sex. it sounds that and, and you're still – and so you still see people and you're here – in Los Angeles, yeah. so they can just find you through your website Absolutely. and reach out. Sure. So in the um, in the sex therapy group, so is it all like men? Sometimes all women? Or Brilliant question. Of- so I I have it mixed. I, I think that to uh, separate out by genders is just to reinforce. Um, anxiety around opposite gender. I think that having mixed gender together really helps people learn the social skills and sexual skills to interact with everyone. Yeah, that, right? I mean that. Well, that's what I found through my sex through my sex group. It wasn't sex, but it was it was a group. There was that you realize that everyone in the room. First of all, we weren't allowed to know people's last names. Right. Not. I mean, there's different 
sex, different sure. therapy group, therapy groups of different rules. This was in San Francisco. So for, and it was funny cause they made me commit for a year and I was like, Oh my God, a year. Like you can never miss every Tuesday, six to seven 30. It was like yep. the biggest commitment of my life. And then I loved it. These people, but they become, they're not your friends. I mean, right. you don't, you can't hang out after the group, but they like get to know you. They call you on your stuff. I mean, it, and it's, and also you see mirrors in everyone. Oh, so there's yeah. right. That's the big thing. That's is the that, most honest relationship you probably have ever had. I exactly. Mean, it's so powerful. And I think, um, being able to encounter a group on that level is the most powerfully shame-reducing thing you can have. Right. And then you take that with you out into your individual relationships and try to kind of maintain Exactly. That. Was your group mixed gender? Um, no, it was all women. It was a women's group. Do you think but, that worked better for you in that way? Well, at or? the time it did. It okay. was because it wasn't about sex. It was just general like Got therapy. It. It. And it was just interesting because there'd be women. We were all different ages. We probably ranged from like 25 to 60, to age 25 to 60 in the group. And and people were just, it was just interesting. Like people would be having issues with their boyfriends. And I, typically in relationships, I... I've done things that are often more male, like I'm more like, have more masculine energy. Sure. I'd be like, well, the reason why I did that is, you know, or, I, or they noticed things in me that were in their mom or their mom did things that were like my cousin. You know, we all just see different things in each other. Right. So I just thought that was really helpful. But I want to ask you, I just saw your tweet um, that you said, yeah, you do you want to um, learn how to use pornography in a healthy way? So join your sex therapy group because I think that we're talking about sex addiction yes. and pornography and you don't even subscribe to no. Not sex addiction. No. So can you talk about that? And then yes. also what the hell is going on in pornography? I've heard, yeah. I was talking to Dr. Drew, we sure. do Loveline together. And he was saying, yeah, the latest thing now is 12 year olds are addicted to pornography. Yeah. So, well, <clears throat> number one. So the reason why I don't subscribe to sex addiction as a model is because it's being treated and looked at like drug and alcohol addiction. And there's very, very large differences. So drugs and alcohol, if you never use drugs and alcohol ever again, you'll be healthy. So I, I don't worry about someone erroneously thinking they're an addict and being sober and that being a problem. Like you'll be, whether or not you're an addict, if you go sober, you'll be fine. Sex and love are things we have to learn how to have in our life. It's not healthy to just be anorexic and push them out. Right. So, you know, sex is always operating on us. Like we said, it's what we wear in the morning. It's how close me and you sit. It's how we look at each other. So you can't be addicted to a process that's always operating on you, like the need for sleep, the desire for food. So it's just about learning how to manage those drives. And I've learned with my clients that people that think they're sex addicted, they actually need to learn more about se sexual health. And so a guy, for instance, will say, you know, I masturbate every day. I'm addicted to masturbation. I say, well, that's actually a standard. Most men masturbate anywhere from one right. to three times a day. So it's just that you need sex education. Or or, uh, you know, or actually what comes in a lot as well is people think they're addicted because they're looking at really diverse, creative, alternative porn. And I say to them, no, that doesn't mean you're addicted. Addiction's not about what you're doing. It's the, how you're doing it and the impacts. And I say to them, no, let's, that's actually very common. I mean, this is interesting. This is right. in my book. When they did a study on the most common pornography search words that people type in, what they're not looking for, they're not looking for traditional style sex. Right. Most of America is looking for very alternative, creative sexual styles. So that's actually the norm, what we think is abnormal. Right. So a lot of sex addiction that's labeled as such is people are just really confused about what's normal and typical. Well, exactly, but what about, so I saw that, that study too, what they're searching for, but what about the people who are saying now that since they're seeing all this alternative sex, yeah. that they keep raising the bar, and for then sure. they have a hard time having sex with their partner, or Brilliant answer new. that. Uh, this is the kicker, and this is really hard to hear because I agree with you. If you keep pushing your arousal limits, it's going to be really hard to return to your partner. But brace yourselves. <laughs> if the sex you're having with your partners is worth having, you'll want to have it. 
Yeah. I you, think it's a couple's dynamic on some level. And, and that goes back to, to that. shaming and deprogramming where sure. just because they're watching it, they think my partner won't accept me for this. And then how to talk to your sure. partner about the kind of But again, thing. I always say if the if your pornography use is far more arousing than the sex you're having with your partner, you and your partner need to sit down and talk about making some tweaks and changes. Right, exactly. Because if you really do have fun sex with your partner, you will be drawn back to that. And here's the other thing I talk about. Solo sex and partnered sex are both healthy parts of everyone's sex life and you have a right to both. And I see some partners wanting to have their their other stop masturbating and say them that's not appropriate. This is a huge you question. You don't have a right to take control of that. Exactly. And that is huge. I mean, I hear that from from I mean mostly from women right. who are married or they're in a relationship with someone like why is he watching porn? I don't under and this has been going on forever. People have been asking this. And it's like I would say he masturbated before he met you. Yes. He's going to masturbate now. It's a, it, men use mass. Not that women don't masturbate either, but it's in a different, you know, it's a different context. Like it's sure. stress reliever. You could be having the best sex of your life and yes. you're still going to go and masturbate. Absolutely. And, and the other thing is I always say to the women, um, it, it, are you saying to me that you'd prefer to be with you? Because that's understandable. Then let's work on you initiating sex with him or saying to him, hey, if you're aroused, come to me. But the same women that say that sometimes also say, oh, but I'm not that interested in it. And I right. say, well, then that's a great way to keep him monogamous. Right. If you right. don't want him seeking sex outside, allow him to find sex within. Right. And that's masturbation and pornography. Exactly. Yeah. And there are a lot of, uh, I hear that all the time. <clears throat> I got to say, yeah. You know, do you find, like me, wherever you go, everyone's like, oh, sex. And they pull you oh, aside with like the millions of questions. Every dinner party, he's somehow, I find myself in these conversations. I'm in line at Whole Foods and someone's <laughs> right. like, oh, I saw your show. Can I ask you a quick right. question? Next exactly. thing I know, it's an hour later and we're in like, yeah. It, that's the one upside slash downside exactly. to the work we do is people are like, we need to talk for a minute. Right. Um, it's never a minute. And our younger people, like you were talking about, Dr. Drew, are younger children finding porn for sure? I think the problem isn't porn though. I think the problem is that we need to work on talking to our kids about healthy computer use. Exactly. Because what else are they looking at? I mean, I'm the porn, but are they also looking at pictures of people blowing heads off of exactly. each other and murder? I mean, it's everything. so yeah, it's about learning how to use pornography in a healthy way. And that's part of my group therapy is talking about when and how and what and the impacts. It's not going away. Right. It's so the not answer going is to learn how to use it and work with it, not to just say it's bad. And so is it, but, but it's part of using it, monitoring it. Do you tell me of what course. if a guy, because again, addiction, and I and I agree with you that it's way over labeled that so many people like, oh yeah, you know, celebrities found cheating on another wife. Oh, he's going to go to sex addiction therapy. No, it's not about you know that. What the, yeah, you know what's funny about that? Half of those celebrities, it's not that they're sex addict, they're just a jerk. Right. Like you are just <laughs> right. mean and have no empathy. You're not honoring your vowels. You're a jerk, not right. an addict. Right, exactly. Let's call it what it is. Right, you're a celebrity. You yeah. can sleep with anybody. Yeah. Yes, that's and you're taking what advantage of that. Yes, right. you're let's hot. call that out. Right. Thank you. There's 50 women throwing themselves at you. Exactly. I wouldn't say you're an addict. I'd say you're an opportunist. That's fine. Yes. I totally get it. Um, it makes a lot of sense. Okay, so, um, um, but the other thing I was going to say about it, though, is when it does, so not calling it addiction, but I always say, like anything, when it does become a problem, if you're doing it 15 times a day, you can't leave your house, you lost yeah. your job, you know, because you're watching call porn so much. Call it a problem, though. Call it problematic call the problem, sex. but not addiction. Yeah, or, or, or even compulsive sex, problematic sex, but the addiction word I don't like because of the connotations that come with it, because... It, the solution can't be abstinence or whatnot. You have to learn how to have it in your life. So you got to learn how to work with this thing. And if we call it an addiction, it makes it always bad and fear-based. So true. And that's I, not going to help you. Right, because we're not going to stop loving exactly, and have sex. I exactly. totally agree. Okay, so let's talk about your your, for yes. your first book coming yes. out. When does it come out? People can pre-order July, now. July. You pre-order now on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. I've been working on this thing. I say jokingly, it's like I've had a baby for right. four years and I'm ready to birth it. Finally get out of Congratulations. Thank you. Thank this you. is very, very exciting. Yes. Okay, and so the name of the book is what is Authentic Sexuality in a Sexually Dysfunctional Culture. Yes, Sex Outside the Lines. That's the title. Okay. Yes. Sex Outside the, Sex outside the Lines is easier to remember, yes. right? Okay. So, um, so tell me, 
Tell me about the book. Okay. So the book is not a traditional sex book. A lot of the traditional sex books are very anatomy-based and how-to. This is more uh, thought-based because I think the work in getting healthy with sex is our relationship to it and how we think about it. So it's more based in that. And it explores the concepts of how we're obsessed in our culture with being normal. And I always say normal is not the goal. Normal is not healthy. What we call normal is usually a really horrible conformity-based thing. Go with the abnormality. That's gonna that's gonna serve you better. And then I, you know, get into a little bit of the problems with sex education where it's not honest. There is no sex. We're okay. Yeah. Are, when it is, even exists. There right? is no yeah. sex education. So, so that's number one. Let's have it. But when we have it, let's make it honest and really, you know, let's not just say, hey, if you fall in love, you get married. No. Some people fall in love and don't get married. Some people fall in love and choose polyamory. Some people fall in love and aren't monogamous. Like we have to really present all the options. There's a lot of relational sexual options. We have to present all of them. Right. It's not appropriate to leave out a segment of the population and not address their specific concerns. We have to talk about queer identity and gay and trans and polyamory. Um, It's not supporting anything, it's just being honest and education should be honest and real. I also talk about a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists that I think need some training in human sexuality and they're really just perpetuating these horrible norms of the culture. They don't have any training in it at all. And then they come in my office and I have to de-brainwash them because they've come in thinking all of these things that they've been talking about are really horrible. I mean, here's an example. There's a sex addiction treatment program in LA and on their website they say, healthy sex only takes place in committed relationships. Uh, okay, right. now, how many of us have had sex without being in a committed relationship? Probably all Raise your hand. Yeah, raise your hand. Your, right, exactly. Uh, yeah, so that's not appropriate. That means we're all unhealthy and we all need, we all are sex addicts. We're all acting out our sex addiction. That's not true. Come no. On. You know, not everyone has sex within the context of relationship. And I say this in my groups. You can have healthy one night stands. If you're a healthy adult, you meet another healthy adult, you're aware of the consequences, you're fully Consensual, consenting. Right? You can high five each other and say it was nice to meet you and go off. And that could have been very intimate. That can be a very intimate Exactly. Experience. People, right. So that's in the book and then I talk a lot about um, new new styles of marriage and relationship because I think and this is a little a little one track but we traditionally operate with what we call healthy for marriage and relationship from this very American individualist notion and I like the idea of being more relational thinking in more relational terms where it's not um, here's the example I give a lot of times so if a kid falls down uh, especially if it's a male kid, uh-huh. we'll say to him, you're fine, brush yourself off. And I don't like that idea because the idea is that you're on your own, people aren't there for you. And I love the notion of more of a codependent style. So a lot of the things that people are calling codependence and love addiction, I'm calling healthy relationship. Interesting. I so, want you to be more codependent. Right. Okay. To be, be more, not so, though typically people are raising kids to be way more independent. And I think that's horrible because you know what independent kids I know, become? look at me, that's Indep- what happened. <laughs> well, I don't know, Emily. You seem pretty successful and healthy. So uh, we can. Uh, do you want to do a little session here? Yeah, we can, can unpack we, can what we? that means. No, yeah, totally. <laughs> but I think raising independent kids raises independent adults, and then they're relationally independent. And then your wife is in my office, or the husband saying, "My partner is not relational. My partner's too independent. My partner doesn't think about me or consider me." And I think that's. I think it's a horrible model. Right, it's a it, horrible model. It, it, yeah, I understand what you're saying. So what do you? How, but how, okay, so I was just. The trigger in your book for me, I, mean, I, I love the description, sure. is about, I'll read, this, I'll read this again about your book, Sex Outside the Lines. So um, you pull apart cultural phobias with a sex-positive therapy practice, a kind of sexual deprogramming that helps people see and accept the desires they have, 
even if they don't align with societal expectations that are really natural, healthy, and part of having a great sex life. So can we, I mean, I think that this is great because it is true. People are so, I, I don't think that people are, first of all, we know people are delaying marriage and there's so many different ways to have a relationship, alternative relationships. And I get this all the time. Polyamory, does that work? Open role, really? Does that work? Does that work? Yeah. Well, how is your monogamous well, relationship? The- I mean, it's just, I'm not advocating that you know one is over is right more right than the other but find one that works for you so i assume you lay these out in your book and absolutely and i think you make a valid point in that people are delaying marriage and my theory is that we're delaying marriage or not getting married because the way we're doing it isn't working right and the high cheating rate and divorce rate is again because it's not working exactly here's the kicker instead of saying the way we're marrying and the way we're dating isn't working we're blaming people and saying there's something wrong with you and we're not blaming the institution or the process like I I want I can't wait to read your book because it's like a high five to that I keep saying that because I'm like (laughs) no I always tell people you can create the kind of union that you want if you want to get married you want to be it's okay they don't believe that everyone follows the same heteronormative trajectory and, and there's a flaw in it and you just called it out this individualized notion and I keep saying to my couples, where's the we? Where's the us? And it's too much of me. And a lot of therapy is about what do you need and self-development. I say, get rid of the word self. It's not self-development. Here's my other theory in the book. Every All growth and development is relational development. If you're not, you grow through and in relationship. So when people say, like, I'm going off for a weekend and I'm going to be on my own and I'm going to really work on me, you're working on nothing. Because you grow more in a relationship. What are you working on when you're off by yourself? No one's triggering you. You're not working on communication skills or intimacy. You're working on being alone and independent. You got exactly. that down. Trust me. You right. got that exactly. down. And I've done a learn. lot of that. I've done yes. like 10-day silent meditation But you retreats. can't come back I know. in I can't come back that. in. I don't know how to come back. I'm like, I was sitting with monks for 10 days, and yes. now what do I do? Yes, it's not <laughs> relational. We no. need to be more relational. It's absolutely true. So, But the deep part, when I saw that, I was thinking, like, what about people who come in who have, you know, just messaging from childhood, let's say religion or... You know, just things that, that are wrong and they feel shameful mm-hmm. about masturbation or about mm-hmm. sex. I mean, how do you, I mean, there's so much work that has yeah, to be done. Yeah, well, I'll say that. number one, I, I don't think, I think it's almost impossible for anyone to get into adulthood without having been programmed problematically, right? And the number one thing I'm starting to zero in on, and you're a good example of the opposite of this, is the flaw with media. I think media is the number one educator. Everyone's like, oh, your parental dynamics and all that. No, no, media is more important and your social network. Think about it. Whatever your parents said or did, that's powerful. But whatever media you embed yourself in and what your friends and those norms, that eclipses that and washes that away for sure. Why? We want to be just like our friends. And so part of the deprogramming is really looking at the social media you surround yourself with. So for instance, if you come into my office and you're saying, I don't have a lot of sexual self-esteem or body esteem, I want to know what magazines and TV shows you're watching. Right. Because they're reinforcing something. Who are you looking at on Instagram? Who are you following? Show me your Instagram. Right. And I look through and I see all Do these Do you? Hot you're like, show it. Yes. Right. Well, what and about I see all, all the body shaming? Like Kelly Clarkson and yes. Pink. I'm doing an interview about that this Horrible. afternoon. Horrible. Horrible. I mean, that's huge. Good for I, them for the way they're coming back. I know. Saying, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like, here's the cheesecake, right? Totally. Is that what they're saying? But it's just people to shame them because like, you know, it makes people feel better about themselves. The whole totally. psychology behind that. Stop watching and looking at things that make you feel bad. If your Instagram posts and Facebook things you're following make you feel bad because of what you're looking at, delete it. Please exactly. Delete Exactly. And Facebook too. People are like, oh, people, there's sure. studies that show people watch who spend more time on Facebook are more depressed because all their friends are posting these perfectly yes. edited photos of yes. vacation with yes. their happy husband and their yes. happy life and, you know, really get inside that. We'll see how happy. But, um, okay, I'm going to make a uh, quick shout out to our sponsors and then we're going to come back. I'm going to help you have you help me answer some emails from our people. Um, Fleshlight. Have you ever used a Fleshlight? 
Um, you, do you know about the flashlight? I, I, I not only know about the flashlight, I'm also aware that there are websites to tell you how to make your own homemade flashlight because oh. that can be expensive. Yeah. And Ooh. I make it my business to try everything. Oh, okay, got it. I should have brought you a flashlight. Well, it is the number one sex toy for men, and it's a male masturbation sleeve, and so you can feel the pleasure of having sex anytime. They have them for, um, yeah, men, gay, straight, they have everything. You have a favorite porn star, you can buy, you know, their mold, whatever you Isn't want. Isn't that wild? I know, right? They're like, I really want her her mold or his penis, whatever you, you know, his butt, whatever you want, that's fine. Engineered, uh, Fleshlight was engineered to look and feel like the real deal. It was like invented by NASA, believe wow. it or not, their patented material. And I don't know, my listeners, they're like, really? Do I need that? I yes. got my hand. But you know what? Feels it's a like different it. experience. Mix it Switch up, it people. Switch, Switch it, it up. up. You know, masturbation month is right around the corner. It's in May. And get them for your partner. Yeah. It's a good gift for a partner. It's a get great partner gift. gift. Madison's my yeah. flashlight poster girl. Yes. My, <laughs> I gave my boyfriend, he has not one, but two flashlights, Phenomenal. different flashlights for different situations. And awesome. they're great. They've like totally improved our relationship. I wrote a blog on it. It's called my boy's new toy, where I talked about like why I love my boyfriend's flashlight almost as much as he does. Right. You got to check yeah. it out on our website. So go to sexthelmy.com, read Madison's blog mm-hmm. and click on the flashlight banner. Use code Emily to get a free bottle of their award winning flash lube. Because you can never have too much lube Amen. in life. Amen. That's Amen. how I feel, right? That's right. Huge fan of lube. Okay. So I want to thank everyone for emailing me at feedback at sexwithemily.com. I love hearing from you. And don't forget, when you email me, include your name and where you live. Where you live, you know, and how you listen if you get to that part too. But just really just your name. Um, and we don't have to use your real name. You can even use a fake name. But really, I want to know where you live and how you listen to the show. Okay. And Chris, I'm glad you're here because these are some I think that you would really be great, insightful, and helpful. Hello, Emily. Thanks for your show. I really like listening while at work with earbuds, by the way. Mm -hmm. I've been with my wife going on 15 years, and now after a recent argument, she dropped a bomb on me. She feels like we are no longer emotionally connected and has no desire for sex for over a year now. I had no idea she felt this way, and now I wonder how long she's been just going through the motions with no real feelings towards me. She said she couldn't remember the last time she felt anything in that department. This is obviously a huge problem for my marriage. I admit that I probably deserve it. We're both strong-willed people. Arguments seem to come easy for us, and a lot of hurtful things have been said over the years. Love my wife. Even though we have our problems, I assumed that at least we always had an attraction for each other, but now, not so sure. I feel guilty for wanting sex, knowing she doesn't desire it or even enjoy it anymore. Am I wrong for feeling this way? Second, being a man, I don't really understand the whole concept of emotional connection. I love my wife and assume she loved me and there was a connection. But with women, it goes deeper. And I know guys don't always see the underlying issues. How would you suggest that I start to fix this? My wife says it's fixable, but she doesn't know how. We work opposite shifts. I only get to see her weekends during the week. It's text and email only. Please offer some advice to this helpless romantic who finds himself lost. I love your show. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Ryan. Wow, that's a comprehensive question. Right? <laughs> okay, so there, she, I mean, the whole thing. Like, first of all, I thought it was so interesting. He's like, what does she mean by emotional connection? But then, I mean, low libido, she's not interested anymore. Where would you There's that this? individualistic culture notion that's problematic, though, that <clears throat> I don't understand emotional connection. Of course you don't, because you're, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do, which is being a man in our individualistic culture, and you don't understand connection. So you're where you're supposed to be, Ryan. Like, a lot of people are, are going to relate to this question. Number two, I say this with all the care and the love in the world. You know, your head must have been in the sand that for an entire year there was no sex and this was a problem and it's only now that you're realizing it. That's a huge concern. Couples so, don't know how to talk about sex. It's it's yeah. So this is what I say. I understand you're working different shifts. Um, the most important things for a connection are touch, eye contact, and time together. 
you have to find a way to do that. It's not going to work if you're only doing it through text and email, which I think is what he said. Yeah. You have to find a way to get the touch and the eye contact. And that's how you build emotional connection is it's what you say, it's how you say it, but it's also the ability to sit before them, touch them and look at them. So when I work with couples like this, I have them face each other, touch each other somehow, hold hands, put their hands on their shoulder, lay on each other, look at each other and begin the process of dialogue. And that that's intimacy. And that's where you have to start. I don't mind. And I do love the idea of some couples saying, we haven't had sex in forever. We're not feeling intimately close. And I say, start with sex. If you can start with sex because you feel safe and comfortable, you love this person, that will that can fast track you to the intimacy. But if you're feeling that's too soon, then work on the touch, time together, and eye contact. Right, and sometimes I even say take sex off the table then Absolutely. and start reconnecting like sure. through eye contact and sure. through touching and through you know maybe therapy. What would you think about them being? They're the number one prime candidate for sex therapy for sure. Couples and sex therapy. It's true. It's a really interesting thing. People think oh sex therapy, am I gonna have to have sex therapy? I mean, no, there are therapists like that, but yeah. no, really, it's just talking about you know, the issues that are going on, who knows why, you know, there could be other things from their childhood or maybe they weren't really, you know, who knows. And it's going to be a life's, it's going to be a little bit of your life's work where, you know, I can't drop an answer on you right now. That's going to solve everything. You're going to have to learn slowly about the emotional connection stuff. And that, that happens in therapy. Yeah. And then 15 years. So, you know, good for you guys that you're bringing it up now. I think this will explode your relationship. And if you really, Ryan, you really take this on as like your number, like I know you guys both work and you're busy, but this should be your number one priority right now. And I think that if you really stick to this, and you stick on finding the right therapy or the right course that works for you, that this will blow your relationship in a really good way. And you guys will find yourself reconnecting like never before. Yeah. Cause It'll as you just deeper. said, if your relationship is not your priority, it's going to feel like something that's not a priority. Exactly. And a lot of people deprioritize the relationship. I got that going. Now I got my job. I got yep. the kids and this is a big check, problem. Check, check, check. Everything runs on its own, but right. it doesn't. Well, we don't have sex anymore. Okay. That's then right. your roommates, let's go back to working on the sex. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Okay. Next question. Emily, I just started listening. I'm a big fan. I'm a happily married man to a beautiful woman for 15 years. A couple of kids and sex is good, but I have a number of desires that I want to try before we get out of our 40s. But she's not really up for trying. I think she would like to try some of them, but there's a stigma she's concerned about, but no one else will know. Some of the things on my sexual bucket list. Ready? <laughs> Watch porn together. Make our own porn. Mutual masturbation. Go to a strip club. Additional partners. Three or four way. I'm even up for a male, male, female uh, threesome. Uh, go to a sex club swinger party. Anal. She let me do her once. I would like to wear a strap on and have her do me. Some bondage. This goes on. This Jesus is my Christ. guy. This guy is really good for you. Let me let me just stand out and say good for you for being diverse and creative and confident because you're hitting everything. I mean, you've got a very comprehensive I, list there. I know. You're I'm not like, leaving much out. What doesn't he want to do? Um, some bondage. So he says, is something wrong with me? Am I a pervert? She's aware of most of these, though I never laid it so clearly out as I am here. So how do I get her to try some of these things? Or should I just give up and be thankful for the great sex we have in our strong relationship? These have been recurring fantasies of mine for years. And it's just better to keep it as a fantasy. I look forward to your response. Signed, Wondering. Oh, Wondering. <laughs> I mean, how long have they been together? Yeah, 15, 15 years, years, same thing. I mean, how do you just, I mean, because it's true, you're coming together and, and she might just be thinking, what, what? Like any one of those could trigger her. Sure. So they probably, I'm assuming, never really communicated much about yeah, their well, desires. Yeah, <clears> well, <throat> let me start here with you, Wander. Number one, you're you're healthy and you're okay. 
nothing I heard in that list is anything that one should feel bad about. You're not a pervert. You have to start with feeling confident in it, though. You can't present sexual options and novelty to a partner if you're feeling unsure and fragile about it yourself. So I want you to get secure in it. So you're, I hope maybe I'm giving you the permission to do so, and that will be enough. But, um, you know, number one, when, you're, when you have a sex partner, you have to always understand that's another human being you're trying to have sex with. So, yes, you have to take into account their comfort and what they're interested in. But I think the beauty of sex therapy is using sex therapeutically and the use of sex to grow and to learn. And you can't do that if you're not getting a little anxious and trying things. So I, I want you to lovingly talk to your wife about going into some of your anxiety and doing some things that maybe she's unsure about. But if it's safe and consensual, it can really bring you guys together. And 15 years of marriage, you're going to need some novelty brought in there to keep sex Exactly. That's what keeps it interesting. But see, I hear this all the time. And this is what I, I you know, I've tried to explain this, you know, many different ways on the show and in life that, you know, after 15 years, I'm assuming they probably haven't talked about sex a lot before right. this time when he's starting to feel this anxiety. I've had these fantasies. I've had this. And I hear this from men. She just says, no, she won't talk about it. She won't do it. She won't. She shut down to it completely. So I don't, you know, don't present her with this entire list. Not that we're judging it at all. But it could be overwhelming to have that oh, list I'm laid out. I'm overwhelmed. I'm yeah. like, this kept going. We got some work to do. No, I, I go I'm down for all of it. But, but that's, I'm not, we're not married. But so. I want to go deeper. I want to say, number one, that, you know, if your wife is that uncomfortable and hard to talk to or shut down, I feel like you need to start by talking about other difficult conversations first and learning how to, as a couple, talk about things that you're unsure about and anxious about. Because if she shuts down these conversations that quickly, then I'm thinking there's other communication issues. Well, usually there is, right? right? So usually couples stop having sex or if things are just sort of stale, it's because there are other things that have gone mm-hmm. on in the relationship that we repress that right. we don't actually talk about. Um, but have you seen in your practice, I'd love to hear about like some of your couples, maybe this would be just a, an inspiring story that have maybe come in with similar issues and how you've helped them break through some practices that you yeah, use. Yeah, for sure. So couples come in, um, of course, not because things are going well, you know, it'd be nice if they did, right. but they come in cause there's problems and <clears throat> to relate to something like this, I've worked with clients where one comes in and they're saying to me, there's things that I'm sexually interested in and either I have or I haven't, but either way, I know my partner would be really uncomfortable with it and they'd shame me with it. And this is what happens as really beautiful and really powerful. The goal isn't to get that client to a place where their partner says yes. It's to get them to a place where they can talk about it, where they can sit in this beautiful place of intimacy and honesty and say, because I love you and because I'm committed to this relationship, I want you to know all of me. And so I want to share with you things I'm sexually interested in. Maybe we won't do them, but I want to at least express them to you. I want to at least be able to talk about them. Because if we're going to stay together for another 15 years, we're going to encounter other difficult topics. And if we can't talk about sex, we can't talk about any of the other things that might come down the road. So it's just an activity of learning how to be close and intimate. And so I love sexual dialogue, between couples. It's the most honest part of it, you. It's beautiful. I mean, especially being in a room with someone where they feel safe because yes, you're, the, yes. th- you're the trained therapist. And then uh, it is true. I was in uh, therapy, not sex therapy, but with, with a boyfriend once. And it was just the most powerful. You know, we went for a while, but one boyfriend and just having the therapist say, okay, sit, like turn your chairs, yeah. face each other, like say those things. And I found myself being able to say things that I, this was years ago that I, I could never have said, just the two of us. So right. a lot of couples do, you know, as soon as I feel like I'll go to therapy, go to therapy. And, and it's like, oh, is that your only answer? No, I mean, it, cause, cause it works. Cause it really helps because there's certain things after 15 years, clearly in your relationship, wondering yet you are not able to break through those barriers. And so you just might need to go see uh, Dr. Chris here. Right. That's right. Something. Okay. <laughs> um, body image problems. It's our next email. 
Emily, I love the podcast. I'm 34 years old from Phoenix, Arizona. For my entire life, I've been a big guy. At my heaviest, I was over 500 pounds. Over the course of three years, I've dropped nearly 180 pounds. With that, I've changed tremendously. However, I'm still very caught up in the habits of the old me. My confidence at times suffers due to this because I was so used to feeling so badly about myself. Hearing your show on the topic of body issues and confidence issues really hit home for me. Due to my confidence and the way I feel about myself for so long, it's so hard for me to make that leap and approach and talk to women sometimes. I always talk myself out of it by thinking, why would she be interested in me? As you can imagine, this is incredibly frustrating. I'm extremely outgoing and love having fun and being around people. It's just when it comes to women... It's hard for me. Your show has helped in these areas, but I'm still having issues. Is there anything else you can recommend I can try or do? Sincerely, Hopeless Romantic, Mike. So, you know, the only thing getting in the way is Mike. Because for so long, he was overweight. He identified to that person, women won't like me, women won't like me. And just because you shed the weight doesn't mean that your internal mind isn't telling you those same messages over and over again. And what I often tell a couple, you know, guys, you just got to practice. You got to go out there. You got to start talking. But really, this is his mind that's just stopping him. So no matter how many times I tell him to approach women, it's this is an inside job. Right. So. so two things. <clears throat> Number one, um, I think this is a relational social issue and also a sexual self-esteem, and they're kind of combined. So here's where the beauty of online comes in. Whether you like it or not, everyone's going online for dating and sex. The okay. numbers are multiplying in the hundreds of thousands every day. So we have to learn how to do this. Here's the beauty of it. A lot of my clients or in my groups don't have the confidence that I wish they did to go up to someone at Starbucks and say, hey, I noticed you. I think you're attractive. I'd love to take you out. Okay. You online, like lattes? I like lattes. <laughs> exactly. Lattes. I love chai. So uh, this is where online is beautiful because it's a safer, more distal way to practice approach skills and the skills of courtship. And so I would say go online where you can send an email and you can practice reaching out to people. And it's important for you to do that because I want you to see people responsive. I want you to see that people are interested and attracted to you. Right. So it's a really good way for you to kind of increase your sexual self-esteem and capital. And so go online. Go online. I and don't think it's lazy or easy. I think it's a really beautiful first step before you take it out into the real world. Right, because he's saying it's really the approach. And of then course. once he's sitting there and he found this woman attractive, to him, hopefully that will, will help him move on. It is true. I mean, online dating is like my mom called me the other day. She goes, Emily, you know, because I'm, I'm dating, but... Maybe you should date online. Do you know much about it? I mean, like, like, have you tried the different side? Like, mom, I talk about it all the time. It was hilarious. I mean, because I haven't dated online that much, which is I funny. I think it's great in some I've ways. done a little tindering. There's some flaws. Yeah, I think tindering is interesting because yeah. I think it's about giving yourself the opportunity to date. And you only can come. You can only come in contact with so many people if you have a busy life, right? Exactly. You're as busy as I am. Yeah, and in You're LA, in like even less than San Francisco, sure. it's like for I'm sure. in the car. Where yes, are exactly. Right? You're not in Europe walking no, on the streets. No. So we're and, not you know, in France having sex on a park bench. Exactly. So I think online dating is a great way to get a really concentrated number of people that are interested in dating. I think it's phenomenal. The other thing I say that online dating though is take it into the reality as soon as possible. Do not get trapped in days, <sighs> weeks, and months of texting back and forth. If it seems like a match, meet as soon as possible to really see if that chemistry and connection. I I agree. Stop with, don't even give out your, maybe give out your number if you're running late, but stop with the texting yes. or even the, God forbid, the, es I always call it premature escalation before you meet someone. And you're like, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, you're hot. What are you, so what are you going to wear? And then like they're, they're sexting and totally. they've never met. They totally. create this whole image totally. and fantasy about and this then person. It's, it's let down when and you walk in. And the second they yes, walk in and they're like, oh, why are we so much time texting? So yeah, yeah, meet them as soon as you can. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with you, you Mike. Also that if you want to, um, 
set up a few dates in a week. I mean, this yes. might help you. Just yes. like it's practice. Yes. It's practice. I'm a big fan of dating a few people because again, Me dating too. is to decide if you want relationship. <laughs> dating isn't the relationship. You date to see if you want that. Healthy people date a couple people. They don't commit within the first three but days. But why do people, people, people do that all the time? I they're don't like, know. I know. They're like, they force it. They force it. Uh, and I'm like, no, let's diversify. I like, know. you know, you take. I've also had people that when they found out the person they just started dating was talking to other people, they said that they're not really serious and they're not going to see them anymore. They couldn't really be serious about relationship if they're seeing more multiple people. No, it's because they're serious. Exactly. It's because they have self-esteem and they want to really see what connection. This is the kind of message that has to get out there because I hear that too. Like, oh, he's a player. I'm not going to go out with these dating. I see my Tinder stuff. That's in the book. It's in the book. It is in the book. I was going to say, do you talk about people? Yes. I cannot wait to read your book outside the lines and they can get, they can, that they could pre-order it, which is awesome. I just, I love that you're covering all these things because no matter what I do, you know, being even on like a public show, like Loveline or my show podcast, people are just, they just think it's you know crazy that yeah. it's not for me. It's not for me. It's just for freaks. It's just for whatever. No. But we're not saying that you have to be polyamorous, live in no, a polyamorous love circle, be a swinger. Most it's people just... aren't ready for swinging polyamorous. Let's no. let's also call that up. That is an advanced, that. evolved that. style that most of you who are listening are not ready for and don't have skills for. We're just saying have a relationship that is yes. based on the two of you. Yes. It's just like how weddings. I never understood. Like I never really aspired to have like a wedding and walk down the aisle. I'm like, why? Hmm. I get tradition. I get the whole like she wears white and he does this. But like I always think that when I go to weddings and they're like cookie cutter and they seem exactly the same as every other wedding. I'm like, there's two people coming together. Supposedly they're committing for life or you know for a while, a long time. Let's hope for life. Why not make a it while. an amalgamation of the both of you, of who sure. you are, who your traits are? Like, create a beautiful ceremony. Because we're obsessed with normality. I know. Because we're, we're going to be so judged. Obsessed I couldn't with that. do that crazy thing. Like, my grandma's going to be there. You know, wear no. a red sash on my white dress. What will they think? Right. Maybe that you're cool and think. think for yourself. Exactly. Maybe think that you're interesting. Yourself. I yeah. totally. No, it's very cookie cutter. It's kind of boring. Um, I agree with you. And that's again the message of the book. Normal's not the goal. Stop trying to be normal. The minute you ask that question, you're asking the wrong question i love that everyone wants that is because that is sort of the basis of most questions you get asked is like yes. am i normal like yes. that's sort of like if yes. you i love that you're covering this in your book Thanks. very excited about Thanks. it you can have like book signings and stuff like I'm that i'm gonna do it yes. okay <laughs> i'm gonna be all over it okay we've got another question uh emily i'm a 24 year old male who just moved to la from a very small town in missouri about a year ago I also just came out as gay around the same time. My question is since I didn't really realize I was gay until much later, I am still a virgin. I really feel like I'm ready for sex, but I was wondering, what are your thought uh what your thoughts were on my first time being a hookup on an app like Grinder? Do you feel like I would regret it? I don't know if at this point in my life I need to be it has to be a special occasion anymore, but I'm not sure. Also growing up in a very small conservative town, I don't know any great resources on safe gay sex. Any help would be much appreciate, appreciated. Thank you so much, John. All right, John, put on your big boy pants. <laughs> if you're you're living in LA, you're 24, you're going to be expected to have an adult dating and sexual relational style. Um, you're not back home anymore. And so most people are, are, are comfortable with hookups and anonymous sex. It's part of their development. A lot of people have sex and then remain friends with those people. That's how they build friendships. So you, you have to understand what's occurring socially. You don't have to do it that way, but I want to just normalize that. Um, there is one path where people date and get to know each other psychologically and romantically and then go to sex and other people do it in the reverse where they have sex first and then if that went well and the connection's there, then they decide to stick around and go on a date afterwards. They're both, they're both possible. Again, a lot of people are on these online sex and dating apps. 
you're going to have to learn the skill set at some but point. But what about him just going, giving up the first time on a grinder? Well, I'll tell you. I mean, it's different in the gay community. I, I get it. Well, no, but there's there's a lot of heterosexual mm-hmm. people as well that are, are, are comfortable enough with the idea of being sexual and not having that always in service of relationship. Like, right. No, I mean, I hear guys to email me that are, that are straight. They're like, oh, should I just go have sex with a prostitute? Should I just, you know? I mean, I just think... I have like really strong issues on this. Like if sure. it was one of my female friends who was asking me for her first time or any type of first experience, like it's going to be, it's not that it's like a, an emotionally even that it right. needs to be intimate. If he's saying like, I'm over it, but you need someone who you're going to trust to be gentle with you and to ease you but into it. But shouldn't that to, like, always be yeah. what you should look for? Exactly. The, the fifth but, time and the but 15th that's why time. I don't agree, think he should but, go on grinder. Yeah, exactly. some guy and he doesn't, you know, and, and maybe if, he'd be afraid to say he's a virgin and he's yeah. going to take it. It could be damaging. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm okay, okay. because here's why I, I want you to be an adult and I want you to know what's happening in the adult world. And that's kind of part of it. And I want you to have adult social sexual skills. I'm not saying to go do that, but I'm saying I'm not concerned if you do. I want us to stop prioritizing the first time because many people's first times is horrible. Yeah, they're confused, most people. Yeah, they're young. I mean, because we don't know what to write. It ends in disappointment. You know, if you look back at people's loss of virginity, it's where that they're like, yeah, we're still friends. We love each other. We got married. It's usually, oh, that jerk. He dumped me. It was horrible. I didn't feel comfortable. And that's not the way it should be. Um, but I want us to stop prioritizing this first time as though it's this powerful, powerful thing. Look, we don't worry about the first movie you see, right. or the first car you buy, the first food you eat. But this is the one thing where we make it this magical step where the minute you do it, it's transformative and different. For most people, no, it's not at all. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I think also, I like what you said about him just like, because, you know, I moved here from Michigan. Well, I moved to San Francisco from Michigan off the boat at, you know, that age. And so it's like. San Francisco woke you up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like, what? That's the best sex where, training you got. Exactly. Exactly. But it's true that you get there and you, it's a little like, oh, God, it's not, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. So I like what you said about him, like making some friends also yes. and just starting to kind of see, sure. go, to the, go to the bars, hang out. And um, I'll say this. And it sounds like you're not ready. If you have that much anxiety, I would say maybe wait. Because I want people to have sex because they really want to and they feel confident in it. And so that's the more important dialogue about this is if you're that anxious, wait. And I'm also being 24 male, just coming out as gay and you still virgin is like not, that's, you know, sure. that's yeah, totally, you're not alone in that. There's a lot no of people. Way. That that. I mean, like to me, I'm like, you're right on track. Good. You came out, you moved to LA. You, did you say it was in West Hollywood? No, I didn't say he was in West Hollywood. That's but just you being smart. Just I moved to West Hollywood. I think I just said five <laughs> seconds. You run out to get a Starbucks. <laughs> you're done. I'll say, I'll say this. Don't use word. What you really need to focus on is. Am I doing it for the right reason? And it sounds like you're anxious and you just want to do it to do it. And that's not the best reasoning. So just chill out, wait, yeah. get some friends, get, get to know the area, find someone you like, you know, slow go down to the a gym. Bit. Yeah. Go to the gym. <laughs> go get a latte. Go to the gym. You got a lot of other things to worry fine. about. I mean, seriously, I'm not worried about you at all. Yeah, I'm not either. You'll okay. be happy. You'll get there. Uh, okay. Do we have time for one more? We yeah. It's okay. So. Hey, Emily, been listening to your show for a while now, and I love it. My girlfriend of 10 months and I have been having regular sex. That's now becoming a problem. To start, I've never came with a partner, and I've had eight. But my girlfriend thinks there's something wrong with her. She thinks that because I don't come, and sometimes I'm not in the mood for sex, that she's no good, doesn't do it for me, and doesn't want to be with her, and that's not the case. I know it's something wrong with me, but she, I know it's something wrong with me, but she doesn't seem to believe me. I do come when masturbating and watching porn, and when I masturbate, it takes 30 minutes to an hour. The longest my girlfriend and I have had sex have probably been 30 minutes before she says she's worn out, she's came too much. We've tried a number of She's things. come too much? Yeah, because he's Whoa. delayed ejaculations. Happy we're talking lady. About. I know. I, already, like, I, I want to start in on this already. I feel okay, like you don't go. even need to read the rest of the question. Thank, okay. Dalton, he's from Missouri, 21. <clears throat> All right, so number one, there's nothing wrong with you. 
Let's just start there. Number two, I love the idea that your girlfriend is orgasming multiple times. I know. Lucky I love lady, it. congratulations. Um, here's the thing. I hear this all the time. It's understandable. I get it. Partners will personalize if you're not able to stay hard or ejaculate. What's wrong with me? Uh, you know, do I not turn you on? It has nothing to do with that. It's called you have a, a bio, biological nervous system. Some people's are sensitive where they come sooner. Some people's longer. That's not going to go away necessarily. You're always going up against how your body functions. Number two, if you're masturbating, I know you're saying it takes you when you masturbate 30 minutes to an hour, but I think you're also reinforcing and training yourself to do that. So I would say either number one, stop masturbating for a while. He said he stopped. That was the okay, part. Good. Yeah, he said he stopped for a while. Or number two, you should not be doing it that long because that's really, really extending yourself into an amount of time that your partner is not able to keep up with. What about mutual masturbation? Or I what love about that. getting him a flashlight? She well, jacks him off mutual. I don't know. I something. want to point it out that I want you to lovingly say to your girlfriend, you know, what is sex about for us? It's probably about pleasure and connection. And whether you're coming in her with her or around her or not, you're having pleasure and you're bonding. And so where and when you ejaculate shouldn't be relevant. She's getting off. Her needs are met. Thank God. Stay yeah. close and connected. You're, that's all you need to worry about. This is the thing. Case and, closed. And, and the, but, but the issue is what I hear from a lot of women is that they think they put the blame on them. Of course. He's not ejaculating because I'm not hot. But I want women I'm to not. know we have a central nervous system and that dictates when and how we orgasm. It's not just about how aroused we are. There's a physical, biological component. And no matter how hot you are, no matter how much he loves you, you can't be more powerful than his biological system. Exactly. So it's not, you know, so have, you guys should listen to this this together. It's all Yes, fine. absolutely. I yes. know. That's why we said, well, a lot of couples do listen to the show together. I'm like, you know, because it, it helps, but I I was with someone like that too that was delayed. I'm like, really? Like forever? Yeah. <laughs> How much time? Or like giving That's a blowjob? I'm looking at your face and you're like, look It was like up. an hour. Like, can we turn on something to watch on TV here? Because this is not, but you know. Stop. Stop. Don't go for an hour. And Sex he was is fine too, yeah. you know, I think, but then they feel bad. You know, it's the whole Did you cycle. personalize it at all? Did I you go didn't, through that? No. You did it. I was That's like, great. I'm hot. I'm doing this right. No, I didn't. But <laughs> I was, you, you know, I knew. But I knew Julia yeah. Jack. I knew it was going on. But this is, but this is unfortunate. Is, but glad. if I was in my 20s, I might have. Like, if I was younger, I might have been like, and that's why am I not doing, giving him a good blowjob? Am I not? <laughs> now I know. Skills. Now I know that I've got that down. But this is why it's good we're talking about this because people, more people need to know that this is actually not that uncommon. This isn't, you know, this is something that we're all going to possibly encounter at some point and it's okay. It's like delayed or premature. You know, we've all, you know, sexual dysfunction. Do you talk about this in your book as well? I do. Uh, your book I like do. covers everything. I do. Okay. I do. So that's awesome. Okay. So anything else, Chris? We got okay. So we got your sex outside the lines. Yes. People can buy your book. And what is your personal number one sex tip? Oh, that's a good one. Um, my personal number one sex tip. It's probably going to fall under the lines of keep it diverse and creative. Good, healthy, hot sex is something that always has something new, novel, interesting. If you want to be with a partner, monogamously, long-term, you want to have diversity. So get comfortable with that early on. Okay, that's Don't good. Don't get into a And rut. what about your biggest turn-ons? Um, well, that's a good one. My biggest turn-ons is confidence. Um, if I'm going to have sex with someone or date someone, I want to know that they're going to bring their entire self to me because I like to be friends with and date people that can transform me and I can transform them. I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to be challenged. So I need the confidence that turns me on and turn off. Uh, turn off would be, and I, and I, I feel horrible saying this as a therapist, uh, fragility, fragile. I, I want to be with someone who's really, uh, yeah, I want to be with someone who's really worked on themselves. Right. Yeah. And they can bring their best to me. And so it's okay if you're fragile and you have things to work on, but go work on them. Are you dating now? I am. You're in a relationship. Six months. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah so the sex is still good. <laughs> yes. uh, okay. Favorite sex product. If you ever use sex product. Um, 
It's funny. You, it's what you said in passing. I think lubrication is one of the most important sex products. Me too. So underrated. Get lube. Always have lube. It doesn't mean you're slutty or trampy. Healthy adults have lube ready if you're a guy or a girl. Lubrication's awesome for vaginas, penises, anal sex. Yeah. Lube, lube, lube. Masturbate with lube. It's better for <laughs> sex when you're going to go to a partner, get comfortable that way. I think I think lube. Yeah, for sure. lube, lube. I'm a huge fan of lube. I want lube on every nightstand. I seriously be proud that yeah. you're using lube. Um, okay, so I have a few little announcements here that we got to make so that is okay here's what's happening people tuesday um may 12th i'll be eight o'clock p.m i'm doing a show with lynette carolla she's got a podcast called for crying out loud and it's at the ringhorn flats and it's in hollywood somewhere and there's information on our website (laughs) it's in downtown hollywood and once we have all of the details they will be up on our website you'll be able to find them we'll be promoting them heavily and she was on the show a few months ago and she's awesome it's gonna be a really funny show and it's gonna be live so come see us in hollywood also we are taking the sexual health expo on the road we did an amazing one in los angeles in january was that it was january Mm -hmm. and now we're gonna be in phoenix arizona Join me April 25th and 26th. It's a weekend of sexual wellness, education, fun. Email me, feedback at sexwithemily.com, telling us why you want to go to the Sexual Health Expo, and we'll send you a two-for-one promo code. Also, we always need interns. We love our interns, social media, marketing, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Email us again, feedback at sexwithemily. And... Was that all my announcements? That's good. I think you're good. Just I think I'm us, so good. Follow us on oh, uh, Facebook, yeah. Twitter, Instagram, um, Sex with Emily. And if you're not, like, why aren't you? Because here's the thing. You like my show, that's <laughs> fine. You don't have time to listen all week. You're like, oh, God, two hours of Sex with Emily. If you go to my Twitter, you go to my Facebook, we give you a lot of information out there that's fun, playful, but also really useful for your sex life. So we appreciate all that. And Chris, where can they find you? We announced it earlier. Oh, yeah. Uh, DrChrisDonahue.com on Twitter at ChrisDonahue or on Instagram at DrDonahue. Awesome. Thank you for being thank here you. this is so great and get his book and it's all gonna be on our website as well and thank you madison thank you everyone for listening was it good for you email me feedback at sexwithemily.com hey thanks everyone for listening to the show we talked a little bit about penises and so now i'm going to talk to you a little bit more about penises so as you know um we talked a little about delayed ejaculation premature ejaculation is also a huge issue um for men but also not just premature you might just ejaculate a little bit before you want to so let me tell you about promescent it's a quickly absorbing delay spray that allows you to have the sex you want uh promescent closes the arousal gap between men and women you know you might just get there a little faster than she wants promescent helps you last twice as long and thousands of urologists are recommending promescent it's the only fda approved treatment go to promescent.com that's p-r-o-m-e-s-c-e-n-t.com. Thanks for listening.